Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Good afternoon on a beautiful Thursday. Welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I'm joined, as always, by producers G. Hey Wiley and our Money Buckets. How are we doing on this glorious Thursday? Well, it is Thursday, Arash, and that just means it's closer to Friday. So I love it. I love Thursdays. Closer to the weekend. Exactly, Jihei. This weekend is going to be amazing. The only thing that's not is that Lakers-Warriors game on Saturday, and I have no idea why the NBA doesn't flex those kind of games out of those uh, time slots. You know what it is. They they, they want uh, you know LeBron James, Steph Curry, but at the end of the day, that's going to be a blowout. That's going to be a disaster. But speaking of disaster, speaking of the Lakers, we got a big game tonight. We got a lot of headlines to get to, so let's get to today's headlines. All right, first headline is the Lakers play the Clippers tonight at Crypto.com Arena. It's technically a Clipper home game, and the Clippers are favored by two and a half points at Circa Sports. Both teams are going in opposite directions, guys. The Lakers are 27 and 34 and 3 and 7 in their last 10 games, while the Clippers are 33 and 31 and 6 and 4 in their last 10 games. Who would have thunk it? Go Clippers. Who do you got tonight? (laughs) Listen, I learned my lesson. Fool me once, shame on. Uh, what is it? Shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I'm not gonna get fooled by the Lakers again. You know, uh, coming off the All Star break and after the comments that LeBron James made, I really thought that they would come out strong and um, win that game. They did not. They, you know, failed late in that game. Uh, so I'm not gonna get fooled again by the Lakers. Uh, it, it, by the way. Six straight games, six straight wins for the Clippers against the Lakers. So not only do I like um, the Clippers tonight, I like the Clippers to cover the spread. They're, they're, they're just playing together as a more effective unit. All the guys on that team get the roles and they play for each other and they play together. And Ty Lue, at some point, we got to start talking about him as a coach of the year candidate. I know the Clippers are not championship contenders. But at the end of the day, come on, the fact that this team without Kawhi, without Paul George, has a better record than the Lakers, has a better record than the Brooklyn Nets, it is incredible. At this point in time, besides Oklahoma City and the Rockets, I don't know if the Lakers are better than anybody else in the Western Conference. And with that being said, yeah, I got the Clippers as well. We both, Arash, were on the Lakers side of things last week when these yeah. two squared off. And yeah, I'm not going to be fooled again. This Lakers team at this point, I don't know. Other than those two teams in the West, I don't think I can pick them against anybody else. So give me the Clippers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't even believe that you guys took the Lakers the last time when I said take the Clippers um, I don't want to bring out that I told you so dance but I told you so so uh, again I'm going with the Clippers all day um, I, I want to give the Lakers the benefit of the doubt but I'm done doing that so uh, yeah I think it's going to be a blowout I can't wait I'm excited actually um, considering where everybody thought that the Clippers were going to be versus where everybody thought that the Lakers were going to be. So I'm ecstatic. I can't wait for this game. Um, I'll be watching with pins and needles. Uh, it's phenomenal, again, to think that like this this team, it, without Paul George, without Kawhi, is still on this winning streak. Um, yeah, let, let's, let's hope, I guess, that you know 
Lakers so bomb. <laughs> yeah, no, and and this is one of those moments where I mean, just the confidence is with the Clippers. Uh, um, that was a pretty good game the last time they played a week ago. But the Clippers were the team that finished strong, got the win, and again, both teams are going in the opposite direction right now. Again, give me the Clippers, G Hayes Clippers. <laughs> All right, big picture. What's the significance of tonight's Lakers-Clippers game, Arash? If the if the Lakers win, can that help turn around their season? If the Clippers beat the Lakers for the seventh straight time, does that mean that they can make some noise in the postseason? You know what? So I, I think this is a big game in Los Angeles still. I think it's for bragging rights. It's for things like that. But at the end of the day, big picture, I don't think it means a whole heck of a lot. I don't think if the Lakers beat the Clippers that all of a sudden that they have turned around their season, that that is the a flip of the a switch that we're looking for, for them to finally go on a late run here. And if the Clippers win, you know, listen, that's seven straight wins against the Lakers. That's significant for the franchise. That's significant for the fan base. But in terms of me now thinking that they can do something out West, like I don't think that that's the case. Um, listen, I think to Buckets' point, we do have to now view the Lakers as one of the worst teams in the West. So for the Clippers, I don't think it does anything for them. I think they are who we thought that they were if they beat the Lakers. And if the Lakers beat the Clippers without Kawhi, without Paul George, you know, what the heck does that really say about them? So it's a big game in Los Angeles. It's significant for bragging rights. It's significant for the fan bases. But I don't think win or lose, this makes me think of these teams in a different way. The Lakers are going in one direction, basically like out of the play-in tournament or one and done in the postseason, whereas the Clippers have had a really good season considering they don't have their top two players. Yeah, I don't think that this game will have much of a long-term impact on either team either. The Clippers, the win streak, I think, will start to get recognized, which is a good thing because, as you said, they deserve that national recognition. But in terms of hoping for the playoffs that it means something. I, I still think that they're one of the toughest, most scrappy teams in the league, but I don't know if that will matter much against a team like a Golden State or a Phoenix. But for Jihei's sake, I do hope that it means a lot because, you know, if the Lakers are not going to do anything, I might have to hop on that Clipper bandwagon. So <laughs> let's go, Jihei. Thanks, Armand. Yeah, no, I mean, I... This is this game has always been the Lakers versus the Clippers has always been for bragging rights, right? Especially since the Clippers historically have never ever been that great, you know, monumental team. But as far as like I guess the play in tournament is concerned, as far as you know, uh, just being able to make the playoffs and um, being in contention for something like that, like, that would be the big picture for the Clippers. Now the Lakers, you know, if you win, God bless you. I don't think this is going to make a difference. It's not going to make a dent. Um, yeah, there's there's no there's there's no significance in this game like, at at, <laughs> at, the, at this point. Like, it's just for you know what? Yay, we beat you. Good for us. We're we're no longer in that um, in that hole. Um, all right, James Harden is enjoying a sports book honeymoon period in Philadelphia so far. Enjoy it while you can, man. The 76ers are three and zero with Harden on the court and are just now two games back of the Heat for the top spot in the Eastern Conference standings. Can this last? Are the Sixers the team to beat in the East now? You know what? I really do like the Sixers team, and I like it because James Harden is enjoying a honeymoon period right now, and it's not like it has to last a long time. I think 
James Harden, when he's with a new team, finds it's like a breath of fresh air for him. And so I think right now he's happy to be in Philadelphia. The fans are happy to have him there. And in uh, his first game back, you know, they blew out the Knicks last night. Uh, they've won three straight. Uh, like you mentioned, G.A., they're now two games back of the number one seed. You know, that combo, that Harden-James uh, that James Harden Joel Embiid combo, I really like that tandem. Um, now, does will James Harden be happy a year from now? Who knows? But this is a short enough time period for this um, honeymoon period to last through the end of the season, through the postseason. And I really do like the Sixers team. I, I think there's like a log jam at the top of the conference right now where you got Miami, you got Milwaukee, you got Philadelphia, uh, you know, Cleveland's in the mix, Brooklyn, obviously, you're getting KD back, Kyrie's going to come back full time. Um, so, th- I mean, the East is wide open, but I do like the Sixers right now. I need to offer a lot of pushback on this Sixers stuff because with all due respect, they've played the New York Knicks twice and the Minnesota Timberwolves. And you know what? Joel Embiid might be the best player on the planet. James Harden is sensational. But the thing is, we have to see it against better competition. And last night, Miami played Milwaukee. And watching that game, those two teams are extremely talented. And I really think, with all due respect to Philadelphia, I could definitely be wrong. I think that those two teams are the best two teams in the Eastern Conference. Philadelphia, I think, is there, but the chemistry that these teams have because they've been together for longer, I think will make a difference in the playoffs. So give me Miami or the Bucks. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I mean, this is like the Gonzaga theory that I have, right? If you play nobody, you are nobody. So, <laughs> play, so you, you got to play somebody, people. Like, you can't be playing the Knicks. You can't, like, come on. Like, you got to be playing better competition than the Knicks or than, you know, who, who was it? Like, you got to be playing Milwaukee. You have to be playing the Heat. You have to be playing guys that are going to be in contention for the playoffs. So, yay for you. Glad you you were 3-0. and I'm sure Philly fans are also ecstatic. But you know what? It's time to play some better competition. It's time to, to step up your game. And that honeymoon phase will get will go away real quick. All right, Major League Baseball's Deputy Commissioner Dan Hillam and MLB Player Association attorney Bruce Meyer plan to have an informal one-on-one meeting Thursday to resume talks amid baseball's work stoppage. Major League Baseball has already canceled opening day and the first two series of the regular season. Are you optimistic, guys? The season will start next month? You know what? I, the thing that I like about this is that they're not taking a long break. So we found out this week that the opening day, opening weekend, first two series of the season have been canceled. My concern at that point was that they were not going to talk for like a month. The fact that they're at least talking today is huge. And so uh, they got to realize the amount of money that's going to be lost, not just for the player's sake, but also from the team's point of view, is enormous. And they cannot let this thing drag on, you know, because, uh, you know, this is the time period for them to capture the hearts and the minds and the eyeballs of sports fans around the country uh, where, you know, we're coming towards the end of the college football season, football, I mean, sorry, college basketball season, football is done. This is sort of baseball sweet spot where you can kind of get excited about the opening day, the first few, uh, you know, series of the season. So uh, the good news here is that they're talking. 
Do I think we have games next month? No. Do I think we have it in May? Yes. So I, I hopefully in the not too distant future, they come together, work out a deal, and we have some baseball soon. I'm with you. I think that the fact is when money is to be lost at some point, people are going to come to terms and see eye to eye. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm optimistic as well. Baseball as a sport right now, it cannot afford any more downtime. It has felt like baseball has been losing ground in America for a while now. And the fact is they can't afford to have a season that is not going to happen. They need to play games so that fans can get interested in the sport again. But I am optimistic as well, Arash, that it will be started in the near future. I don't know about next month, but yeah, in the near future. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but I, I think that <laughs> um, I, I think you're right, Arash, the fact that they are talking, you know, within this month is, is great. Uh, but uh, it's like billionaires versus millionaires. Like this is it's getting to a point where you're just like, oh, my gosh, these people um, you know, have a little bit more resources and time to be like, forget you guys. Like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna wait the clock, but you're right. Money does talk. So once I think those owners start seeing that they're going to be losing a boatload of money, they're they're gonna have to cave. Right. I mean, they're gonna have to just sit there and bite the bullet and be like, and these guys are trying to do this for the future of baseball. They're not trying to, um, the players, they're trying to do this for the future. They're not trying to do this for the past or, um, for them currently. They're like, this is for the future of our game. And we, we want our game to, um, to do well, um, in the future. So yeah, I'm hoping to answer this question. I'm kind of hoping that it ends uh, or, or the beginning of the season starts in, in May. If if June ha- if it happens in June, I wouldn't be surprised. I know that sounds really really crazy, but I wouldn't be surprised. All right, there are reports now that the Lakers and Russell Westbrook have mutual interest in finding Westbrook a new home this offseason. What took you guys so long? We knew <laughs> the Lakers were eyeing a divorce. If Westbrook also wants to leave, how does this change things? So it changes things on multiple fronts. So um, okay, so on the first front. Russell Westbrook it would be on an expiring contract. That's big. So it's not like he's got the rest of this year plus a year. No. In this offseason, he will be on an expiring contract. That's one. Number two, the Lakers can sweeten the pot, can sweeten the deal by giving. And I, well, the, the question is, would they, would, would they want to do this? But they can give up more than one first-round pick. They had some pushback in terms of that 2027 first-round pick. They can give up multiple, at least two, first-round picks. But the biggest thing here, if Russell Westbrook really, truly wants to leave, and I, this would be the biggest question mark, He's going to have to leave some money on the table. I mean, the biggest hindrance right now in terms of finding him a new home is is he's due to make $47 million next season. But we've seen players do this. We've seen players hate where they are so much that they will leave money on the table to find a new home. So if they can both come to terms on... Um, okay, I'm going to take this buyout or I'm going to take some, you know, I'm going to take a pay cut. And if they can both work together on this, if they're both motivated, I do think things could happen. Last season, we had a situation where Kemba Walker was in Oklahoma City and he was making a huge salary similar to Russell Westbrook. And he ended up taking a buyout. Now, the thing was with Kemba, he had to sacrifice $20 million to get out of town. Will Russell Westbrook be willing to sacrifice something similar? 
I don't know. He's made a ton of money in his career. If he really wants to get out of town, I think there will be a way. I don't know if a trade will happen, but a buyout like the one that Kemba got, I definitely could see something like that. Yeah, I mean, th- this is a whole new ball game if we- if Westbrook wants out, right? So this is like now kind of sort of up to him. I mean, it's about freaking time, but um yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Arash. Expiring contracts, you know, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to see what Westbrook wants and what the Lakers are willing to give up. I mean, I think that that's huge as well. There's so many different deciding factors in this that I just I don't know. I'm hoping that it happens quicker than than later because then then the Lakers can actually rebuild and they can figure their stuff out um, after after this debacle of a mess that LeBron put them in. So let's all. Um, I guess you're just gonna have to wait and see because I can't I can't read these Laker owners' minds anymore. Yeah. I just can't. All right, Tro- Troy Aikman is leaving Fox to join ESPN's Monday Night Football broadcast booth on a five-year, ninety million dollar contract. Tony Romo signed a ten-year, one hundred eighty million dollar deal with CBS. They're both making more money as broadcasters than they did as quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Do you care who's the color commentator of a football game? Would you watch or not watch a game based? on the commentator you know this is the fascinating part about this question is that no i think the majority of america is not watching a game because troy is on the call or tony romo's on the call i mean gee like when we're watching games together at uh you know the place where you work or at my house i mean usually we're not we can't hear the game like the the, sound is not on so you know uh kudos to both of these guys for making more money as broadcasters than they did as the star quarterback of the dallas cowboys but I mean, my view is no. People are watching these games because they are either fans of the Cowboys or the Chargers or Rams. You name it. I mean, they're watching the game, so they don't care who is on the call. So the fact is that you're paying these guys like $18 million a year or something along those lines. It's it's nuts, but kudos to them. I agree. I think that the commentator doesn't matter that much. But the thing is, when you do have a duo like a Jim Nance and a Tony Romo or a Al Michaels and a Chris Collinsworth, it can enhance the product. So yeah, that's I true. hope Troy Aikman fits on that Monday Night Crew as much as the other two crews fit together. Because if it doesn't fit together, that's when it becomes a problem. But until then, I don't think it really makes too much of a difference. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I mean... We as like sports media, it's more for us, I think, than it is for some some of the fans out there. I think for the most part, fans, I'm not going to lie to you, when Joe Buck's on, on air, I turn that audio off. So <laughs> I, like, there, there are certain commentators where I'm like, you know what? I'm good. I don't need to. For a long time, it was Dick, it was Dick Vitale, too, for college basketball. Wow. I would, I, yeah, it, it took me a hot minute to, to get to love Dickie V. So, um, but yeah, you know, like, but they, they can make a huge difference. I'm going to play devil's advocate here. And how many times did you listen to, you know, the game is in the fridge, the jello's jiggling, the butter's getting hard, like stuff like that. Like, that's what you kind of want to hear as a fan sometimes, you know, I mean, we we do immortalize these guys as well. But um, and they can change the game a little bit as well. They give them nicknames. They're going to be like these guys that they're also entertaining us at the same time. Right. So and, and Armand, to your point, yeah, they a lot of these commentators, a lot of these color commentators, they um, they give us 
I guess I don't want to this sound so hipstery, but they give us a vibe, right, of the yeah. of what's going on, and it depends on who that person is, right? If you have a Chris Collinsworth, if you have a Tony Romo, if you have a um, if you ha- even have Troy Aikman, you know, those guys they give you a they give you a reason to want to want to watch. I'm not gonna lie, when Romo first joined um, CBS, I was really really skeptical because I was like, what? What is he going to add to the table, right? And then all of a sudden, you see yeah. him thrive. You see him do so well um, as far as that's concerned. So, yeah, I, I think that they make a huge difference. And good for Romo for um, for getting that money. Good for Aikman for finally getting that money. These guys deserve it. So, good for all of them. Yeah, exactly. And listen, if you can make that, like, as a player or as a coach, I mean, that's why Sean McVay was in talks with Fox and talks with other people. And, and the talks didn't go that far. But the fact of the matter is that that, that that there was a point in time before Sean McVay re- renegotiated his contract where he could make more money as a broadcaster than as a head coach. Okay, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll be uh, joined by our good friend Nick Hamilton talking about the Lakers and the Clippers. When we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio and the Fan in Las Vegas. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. And now a word from our newest sponsor, NordVPN. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Do it now. And now, let's go back to the show. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. Just a reminder, if you guys have a question or a comment or just want to win tickets, we're giving away Kings and Galaxy tickets this month. Call our hotline 310 Four zero. Okay, joining us now on the Circa Sports Guest Hotline, our friend, as he joins us every single Thursday, Nick Hamilton. Nick, how are you doing? I'm good, man. Y'all have stepped up. Y'all got a, a guest hotline now. I feel special. We got a guest hotline, Circus Sports. Uh, me and uh, Jihei are going to um, head out there for the first weekend of March Madness. You guys, uh, Nick, you have to come join us at some point as well out there. It's a, it's a lot of fun, as you know. Um, uh, Nick, uh, listen, I, I made the mistake of calling the last Lakers-Clippers game a big game in Los Angeles. It was not. It was a dud. The Lakers, uh, per usual, uh, let me down. I, I kind of figured, listen, it's coming after the All-Star break. LeBron said a lot of things in Cleveland. He's going to come out strong. They have not won since the break. Uh, the Clippers have beaten the Lakers six straight times. Your view on this game, I hate to ask it because who cares, but uh, listen, the Clippers are one win away from winning seven straight. 
and really kind of, I mean, no one's talking about Ty Lue for coach of the year, but I mean, Nick, I mean, if they win again tonight, at the very least, it's saying something that without Kawhi, without Paul George, the Clippers are the best team in Los Angeles. Well, I'll answer the, the, the second question first. Yeah, I mean, I think Ty Lue should have some coach of the year consideration. Should he win coach of the year? Not so much. But should he get consideration? Should he be in the conversation? Absolutely. What you elocuted just now as far as what he had to go through the entire season. I mean, he started off without Kawhi Leonard. Then he went on to have Paul George, to not have Paul George, made a trade for Norman Powell, who seemed to be a, a fit right in. And then all of a sudden, Norman Powell gets injured and Lord knows when he's coming back. Yeah. So, um, and they've been able to, to ride the wave on the backs of, of Reggie Jackson and guys like that on this ball club, and they've been able to be successful and still be in the playing tournament and could rise above the playing tournament if the chips fall their way. Um, they probably have one of the easiest schedules playing out uh, for the rest of the season. So it's definitely obtainable. I think they have maybe a couple of bumps in the road going up against the Golden State Warriors in San Francisco, which is always a tough ploy. Uh, but I think that the, there's a possibility that. You know, the Clippers could finish six if they if the chips fall their way. But regardless, they're still in the in a, in a good spot in the playing tournament um, to get into the playoffs. And if Paul George happens to come back, if they can get Norman Powell back and who knows, maybe Kawhi Leonard might have a guest appearance uh, at some point in the playoff picture. You never know. Uh, but I think this Clipper team has definitely been resilient. They've been fighting, and that's something that the Laker fans have been wanting to see out of the Lakers is that fight and that, that ability not to quit and give up. And the fact that this Laker team has underachieved pretty much all season long uh, has been atrocious at best. And, when you yes, they don't have Anthony Davis, who we know, unfortunately, is injury-prone, uh, may not come back. Uh, for the foreseeable future this season. And they still have LeBron James, who's been absolutely phenomenal uh, in his 19th year. But the rest of the guys, Russell Westbrook, you know, Trevor <laughs> Reason, uh, you know, even Carmelo Anthony have been absolutely underachieved. Um, and that's being nice, because I could say some other choice words that's not for radio airwaves. airwaves. When you look at this team overall, I mean, they have no cohesion. They have no identity. And they play as a bunch of fingers instead of playing like a fist. And as long as you have that, that's what's going to be their, their downfall. And I do believe the Clippers will beat the Lakers for a seventh straight time. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Nick, you know, Los Angeles is, you know, they have passionate sports fans, but they're not like they, 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 they don't get in your face. They don't generally boo. I mean, I thought it was fascinating. I mean, how bad the product was on the court that, you know, they're getting blown up by 30 points to the below 500 New Orleans Pelicans and the Laker fans. These are not opposing fans. These are Laker fans that are heckling LeBron James, heckling the Lakers. Uh, you, you know, it, it kind of went viral. You know what LeBron was saying back to them. What LeBron, uh, with Trevor Ariza, was talking back to them. I mean, this is probably the least liked, most disappointing Lakers team that I can ever remember. Because listen, it, it, 
if the team is bad in the preseason, there's no expectations, fine. But before this season, they were generally thought of as the team that was going to come out of the West. It was the Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets. They were head-to-head favorites. Uh, and, and for them to have the kind of season that they've had, uh, Nick, I just think the fan base is completely turned off right now. As they should be. I mean, they should boo. these. They should boo. Now, the only thing I will say that you should not heckle LeBron James because LeBron on the court yeah. is not necessarily the problem. Now, the other two, Trevor Reza and Russell Westbrook, who decided to, to use expletives and shout them out at the fans. Now, I did not hear the fans using kind of racial slurs or use out any explicit language again, based upon what I heard. I don't know. I wasn't there. But it's still no excuse for those two individuals who play like hot garbage on a, on a sunny day to be sitting up and have the audacity to go back and forth with fans. No. You need to sit there and take it. Trevor Ariza, you need to take it because there's no reason why you should sit up there and call somebody the B word and, you know, call them out like that. There's no excuse for that. I know one thing, those weren't, those weren't uh, LA fans that look like me because if you use that type of language at certain fans that look like me, it would have been on and cracked. Yeah. I'm going to tell you that right there. So it must have been fans that did not look like me that they sat there and they took that abuse. But they have, the Laker fans as a whole have every right to boo them, to talk to them um, the way they did because it's absolute trash. They have, they have, and, and everybody wants to finger point. I mean, this whole organization, everybody wants to finger point. Everybody wants to say, well, it's their fault. Well, it's their fault. Well, it's this fault. And that person's person's fault. Everybody wants to start blaming media members. Um you know, and the thing about it is that nobody rarely wants to take accountability. Yeah. Um, and when you look at this entire situation where Rob Palenka finally standing up and saying, no, we're not going to trade uh, for John Wall and give up our 2027 first round pick. Uh, I know the reports have come out and they've Rich Paul and Clutch Sports have refuted those points. Uh, but the more they kept refuting those points, the more I started to believe there's a little bit more fire where that smoke is coming from. Because you don't refute it that many times. I'm sorry. The more you refute stuff sometimes, the more it seems like you're trying to hide something from the, you know, away from what people are thinking is going on. So um, this organization needs to get it together. I know Jeannie Buss um, had a come to Jesus meeting uh, with Clutch and with Rich Paul about LeBron, um, as she should have. I think you have to respect her as the owner. And I think she had to get some things back under control. Um, and that's going to take time. It's going to be a very interesting offseason. Um, as the reports will be seen that, that they're, they're open to entertaining offers for Russell Westbrook. But who the hell is going to pay that $47 million contract, even though it's an expiring contract? Yeah. Who in their right mind is going to really pay for that contract for what Russell Westbrook decides to do and how he performs on the court? Um, this was a disaster to begin with. I've said it all along, and I'll continue to say it. This this Russell Westbrook experiment was an it was an absolute failure. Um, it did not do what it was supposed to do. Every team suffered injuries, so don't blame the injuries for what has transpired because every team has gone through a series of injuries. Um, however, it's just the chemistry, the lack of chemistry with this team, and he does not fit the model that the Lakers needed to do. Um, and and we're and now people are starting to see that. Laker fans are starting to see that. And I don't want, I understand what LeBron is trying to do is saying, hey, man, we're not giving up hope. We still have about, you know, 19, 20 games remaining in the season. Um, we're still, you know, not giving up hope. But I don't know 
if they're going to make it through the play-in tournament. Right. I don't know if they're going to make it into the playoffs. And even if they do, they're going to get smoked in the first round. Because right. if you, God forbid, if you have to play Golden State or Phoenix, for that matter, even without Chris Paul, I mean, that that to me um, is pretty much a no-brainer. Uh, so I think this this team lacks a lot of identity. They lack fight um, and continuity. And that's what the Laker fans are tired of. They're tired of paying them high ticket prices to watch less than mediocrity. And that's what they've been displaying, minus LeBron James on the floor. That's what they've been displaying. Yeah. Uh, Nick Hamilton joining us on the Circus Sports Guest Hotline on the Mighty Year 1090 ESPN Radio and the Fan in Las Vegas. Nick, I was hoping to have some Major League Baseball. At the very least, if the Lakers aren't going to do anything, if the Clippers aren't going to do anything, we have the Dodgers. We have this lockout, and I'm a little concerned, you know, because once you start canceling games, once you start missing games, then the ball gets rolling. And as we saw when we were, you know, in Texas for the World Series, I mean, that was a 60-game season, and I don't think that's going to happen. What's your sense uh, with this lockout? Do you think we play, I don't know, 140 games, 120 games, which, by the way, long-term, big picture, like, that's not the worst thing in the world because I do think 162 is probably too much. There's a sweet spot there. It, I think 60 is too short. I think 162 is too much. There's a sweet spot there. What sense do you get that we'll have a season? Well, see, the problem with Rob Manfred is the fact that he needs to be stepping lighter, lighter than, than a woodpecker with a headache, and he didn't do that. <laughs> See, he want to sit up there and get his golf swing on and start cheesing and yucking it up for the press. And nobody was buying it because he looked so disinterested in the fact of getting a deal done. And the fact that they waited this long to now all of a sudden, it's like cramming for that test. You knew the final was going to be the final. Yeah. And yet you, you wasted a whole semester. And then now all of a sudden you want to start cramming for the test and then get mad when you failed the test because you didn't you didn't do what you you th you didn't do what you were supposed to do initially which was go along with the syllabus throughout the entire semester and that's exactly what major league baseball did they had they they could have started this in december they could have started these intense negotiations in december when they had the opportunity to but they fumbled and farted around and didn't do it and drugged their feet and so now they wanted to do a, a 11th hour uh, uh come to jesus revival moment and guess what it failed and now Major League Baseball has been has locked out its players. The players have stepped up. The players didn't back down or bow down to them because, as I've always said, MLBPA is the strongest union in all of professional sports, um, and they shouldn't have. Um, I'm for the players. Uh, I think the players have every right to, to stand up for what they believe in. I don't care about the, the, the salaries that they make. I care about the fact that they are not owners and that the owners have the control. Um, and they want some control as far as how they want to dictate the terms of what they want to do. Hell, they out there making the money for the owners. So they should have uh, a say so on how they should go about their business. Yeah. I don't think we're I don't think honestly, I think we may play 100 to 120 games this year. Um, and I think 162, I agree with you. I think 162 is way too long, especially when they're proposing the 14 uh, team playoff. Mm -hmm. um, I think they should dial it. I think they should dial games back. I think it should be 125 games a season plus the 14, uh, you know, 14 team playoff and then make it that way. Even if you start in April, why the hell are we playing the World Series in November when it's That's snowing? Exactly. If you're playing, the, if you're having to be the Boston Red Sox or Chicago or New York Yankees or some team on the East Coast that you yeah. have to play, if they happen to make it to the World Series, 
and you're gonna be a fighting snowstorms and snow flurries in freaking November playing a World Series when it's supposed to be the game of summer. Yeah. So my thing is dial it back. But the owners have been have been greedy. They got the television dollars. Um, and that's what this is about. It's all about the bottom line. It's all about economics. And yeah. unfortunately, people that truly lose in this are the stadium workers, the parking attendants, the concession workers. Those people are the one that truly lose out because they're unable to go to work on time. Um, these people have families, they have bills. Um, and my heart truly goes out to them because those, unfortunately, are the true losers in all of this, uh, this madness um, with these negotiations. I don't think they're going to negotiate anytime soon. Remember, MLBPA have been asking for a federal mediator. They yeah. asked for one for a reason. And we understand now we see why they've been asking for one, because they knew what they were up against. They, Tony Regans knew exactly what he was up against. And that's why he was asking for one. And when they got denied one, well, here we go. It was a snowball effect through hell. And now we don't have baseball. And I think they're going to ca canceling more games. And ain't just the first two series of games. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they start canceling more games. We may not have a season until sometime in May. Because remember, you still got to get spring training in. Exactly. There's a reason why, you know, there's a reason why they have spring training as long as they do, because guys got to get in their rhythm. They got to find their their, their their sweet spot. They got to get in, in tune with their other their, their fellow teammates and then play exhibition games and get fine tuned for the season. Because if you start have a two week spring training, then guess what? You know how many injuries could potentially happen mm -hmm. with big time stars in this league? I mean, the, the MLB is still stuck in the 80s when it comes to marketing. You imagine big time stars, God forbid, getting hurt in the early part of the season and being out for significant time. That's going to hurt the game even more. MLB is a distant fourth in this country when yeah. it comes to popularity and, 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 you know, viewership. So they've got to get on the ball. I mean, they, they tried to make a push with Shohei Otani, but they've got to get on the ball. I mean, Major League Baseball has not done a great deal of marketing since the 90s. Um, yeah. And and that's just atrocious. So they got to get on the ball. So they they can't afford this lockout. Um, but it kind of reminds me of what happened in '94. I'm not saying that's what's gonna happen, but kind of has some remnants of '94. And we all know, unfortunately, how that played out. And you know, at least back then they had Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, right? Gee, I mean, now like, what's gonna get the fans back excited about the game? You know what? I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know what they can do. They they have to do a much better job with marketing. I mean, we said that about them. We said that about the WNBA as well. Yeah. These leagues have to do a better job of marketing their athletes and being able to put some pressure on these companies and say, "Look, we got to push merch. We have to push, you know, commercials." Uh, in the '90s, the reason why the Major League Baseball was so successful because you saw a Ken Griffey Jr., you saw a Bo Jackson, you saw a Deion Sanders, you know, you saw a, 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 a Ryan Sandberg. You know, you saw these guys that were larger than life. Uh, you know, you saw Derek Jeter. Um, these guys were all all in front of the camera. These guys were thrusting in front of you, and you wanted to be, you know, these guys. You wanted their jerseys. You wanted their merch. You wanted the memorabilia. Um, and people wanted to come out to the ballpark. And even after the 94 strike, when Major League Baseball was in the was in the red, um, they pumped the, the home run derby between Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, and Barry Bonds. Because they knew they had to put butts in seats. They knew they had to market aggressively to get people's attention back on their game and their sport. Because had they not, they would have continued to be in the black. Oh, yeah. Excuse me, be in the red. Exactly. Um, I wanted to loop in Jihei to get her thoughts on this and then your thoughts as well, Nick. 
New York Liberty were fined half a million. They were originally fined a million dollars. Then it was reduced to a half a million dollars because Josiah, you know, one of the richest men in the world, chartered flights for his team. I mean, I, I think that that's something most fans probably already think WNBA players get, but they don't. Um, there's a middle ground here, and, and I don't know whether it's full-time charter or something, but uh, we've talked to Sparks players, obviously, like look over the years. There was one canceled game, which is so embarrassing for a professional league. Uh, we've seen players, you know, be standby, sleep in terminals. I, there's There's got to be a way when you're talking about a WNBA, uh, you know, league, that that is on like ESPN and CBS. Um, there's got to be a way to treat these players the right way. So, G, I mean, G, I mean, like, I, I, I want to get your thoughts because again, you were a D1 player. Um, it, it's just like I'm not saying that they have to be treated exactly like the men when you talk about what the each what each team brings in in terms of finances. But if Joe Sai, I mean, if the owners can come together and say, hey, let's work with United and Delta and these airlines to at least give these players chartered flights so we don't miss games, so you're not getting to the city like two hours before a game and things like that. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm very, so I'm I'm very like 50-50 on this, right? Because obviously not everybody not every owner has the means to provide for their team, right? Not every owner is going to be like, hey, let's charter a plane for you guys all the time. You know, every game that's in a way we can charter. So I, I'm, I'm kind of thrown on that. But I think for playoff reasons, I think we can come to a consensus of like, you know what? It, let, let these guys, if you can afford it, if the owner can afford it, let them charter a plane for these girls, for these women. Sorry. Um I don't, I don't think that, and I get it. It's a, it's a competitive edge. You get, have a little bit of an advantage, but isn't that what sports is all about? Having a little bit more of an advantage. You know, you have that one player that's 10 times better than the other player. You have one center that's better than your center. So, you know, there's, there's always going to be a competitive edge, whether it's, you know, getting to, getting to the destination on time or, you know, or early or in a more luxurious way. I, I'm a, but here's the thing. I'm okay with this. I'm okay with them chartering planes for their for their players if they if they can afford it. Here's what I'm gonna disagree with Jihei on. I'm gonna disagree with this point. Number one, how many games in the WNBA? There's 34 games in a season, correct? Yeah. So you mean to tell me? And and Nike just gave 75 million dollars towards the WNBA, correct? Yeah. Also, the NBA continues to pump money into the WNBA as well, right? Yeah. Okay. So now this sounds like a mismanagement of funds. Because this sounds like something they could put into a pot where the owners who can't necessarily afford to charter flights will be able to charter flights, much like how we see Major League Baseball with the luxury tax, how you got the big time owners and then you have the small market owners. But then that's, that's where the luxury tax comes in, because that helps the small market owners, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's the same thing. The same principle can apply. Kathy Engelbert needs to make sure that. They she needs to step up and make sure this is handled effectively because you guys have got to be able to, to be chartered. I mean, these women are playing 34 games plus playoffs. There's no excuse why they shouldn't have private flights or chartered flights so they can get to their destination safely, because yeah. if they don't, then guess what? It's going to be a disaster. Exactly. Thank you so much, Nick. You're the best. Uh, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy.
This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.